This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Thursday the 20th of October. In your squiz today, climbing protests in Iran, Ukraine faces a cold winter, proof that mozzies think you're extra tasty, and somebody calls Samuel L. Jackson. This is your squiz today. Claire, protesters in Iran have given a hero's welcome to climber Elnaz Rakabi, who arrived home after competing with her hair uncovered at the Asian Championships in South Korea on Sunday. But they don't know where she is now, and there have been fears for her safety. So just to step back for a second, uh, women in Iran are required to cover their hair with a hijab uh, and to dress modestly, and that includes female athletes when they're representing their country abroad. And on Sunday, Rakabi competed in a climbing championship uh, with her hair uncovered. After that, she was uncontactable, uh, and it was confirmed that she'd left her hotel in Seoul two days before her scheduled departure date. Uh, So concerns were there and they weren't allayed uh, when a post on her Instagram account appeared uh, where she apologised for, and this is the quote, getting everybody worried. uh, And she said that her head covering again, a quote, uh, inadvertently came off. Uh, And as you say, Siobhan, she's now back in Iran, but it's unclear if she's being held by authorities. This is all tied up with the protests in Iran, and you and Kate have made a great squiz shortcut about that, which is out today. So I'll pop a link to that in the episode notes. But just to cover it quickly, it all started last month when 22-year-old Masa Amini was arrested by morality police in Tehran for allegedly wearing her headscarf too loosely, and she died in custody. Yeah, police say that Armini died uh, from a heart attack, but reports say that she was beaten by authorities. And that sparked big protests across the country. Uh, The demands from demonstrators are broad. Uh, Some want an overhaul of the regime's strict social and political rules, but others want a complete overthrow of the state. Uh, More than 200 people have died in those protests and in the violent crackdown from police. Uh, And put simply, Uh, Some experts say that these are the biggest protests that the country has seen in the modern era. On a more encouraging note, observers say there has been an unprecedented show of support from men and teenage boys who are participating in large numbers in support of the women's rights. But whether that will result in real change is still a big and unanswered question. Another major global conflict that is ongoing is, of course, the war in Ukraine, Claire, where President Volodymyr Zelensky says widespread blackouts have impacted huge areas of the country after one third of the nation's power stations were knocked over in just eight days. Isn't that just an incredible stat? Mm. Uh, Experts say that the targeting of civilian infrastructure marks a new phase in the conflict uh, and that it's designed to wear Ukrainians down 
particularly as they head into winter. Despite that, Russia continues to lose ground on the battlefield uh, and Moscow's new military leadership are admitting that they're struggling to maintain control of some areas where Ukraine uh, has been focused on regaining territory. Ukraine's allies are also continuing to rally, with NATO set to deliver anti-drone systems within the coming days. And getting more air cover is something Zelensky has been asking the US and European nations for. At home, Claire, and the floods in Victoria have claimed another life after a 65-year-old man was found dead in the town of Nathalia near Shepparton yesterday. Yeah, his death was the second of these Victorian floods, uh, and it doesn't look like the dangerous flooding is going to ease anytime soon. Uh, on the New South Wales and Victorian border, uh, towns on both sides of the Murray River are being evacuated due to predictions uh, that the river will reach its highest level in 150 years. And there are plenty of other parts of Victoria that are underwater or on watch with rising flood waters. Meanwhile, the Bureau of Meteorology uh, has warned that the flooding could continue in New South Wales for many months. Yeah, it just seems never ending. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has broadened the eligibility for support payments, though, and said his heart goes out to the communities affected in New South Wales, Victoria and Tassie. A message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who reckon that mozzies love biting them more than anyone else. And now a group of US researchers say they might be able to explain why some of us are more frequently targeted by those flying nuisances. <laughs> yes, yeah, so these scientists spent about three years carrying out more than 2,300 tests using samples of human forearm odour uh, collected on sleeves. Uh, I'm not really targeted by mozzies, so maybe it's that I don't have forearm odour. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> uh, they focused on a very particular type of mosquito uh, that can spread serious diseases like yellow fever, dengue fever and also Zika virus. Uh, and it's relevant to Australians because those mosquitoes are found in Queensland and the Northern Territory. Uh, and what they found is that there is a link. The mozzies are attracted to people who have that particular odour on their skin. Scientists say the results might help to develop more effective insect repellents, but if nothing else, at least now you can feel vindicated that there is a scientific reason. <laughs> One place you won't hear about mozzies, Claire, is in Tourism Australia's first global campaign in seven years, which is officially launching in New York today. Last week, the company revealed its new CGI-animated brand ambassador, Ruby the Roo, 
voiced by Aussie actor Rose Byrne. And we've been having some robust discussion about these ads in the office. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what we can say is that Ruby is being joined by Louis, who's a toy unicorn who's been shown around Australia. Uh, he's being voiced by Will Arnett, who was Job in Arrested Development. And look, you don't really need to know what we think about it. The people have spoken. Uh, people polled in the UK, the US, Singapore, South Korea and Japan gave the campaign five stars out of five. France, not so much. Yes, the French gave it a very lukewarm three out of five or perhaps a boff, if you like. <laughs> but uh, if you are a fan or want to check it out for yourself, a full 10-minute short film for the campaign will be available from 7am Eastern Time this morning. So I'll put a link to that in your episode notes and you can be the judge. <laughs> Claire, I'm not afraid of snakes, but I probably don't want to see one pop its head up midway through a flight. But that's exactly what happened to some business class passengers. Look, I am afraid of snakes and I really, <laughs> really wouldn't want to see that. Uh, this happened on a flight from Florida to New Jersey. Uh, a garter snake emerged during the trip in business class. It was just a little one, though. Yeah, and to be fair, as you say, garter snakes at their best only grow to about 60 centimetres and they aren't venomous. So I think most of us Aussies would be thinking, you call that a snake? <laughs> 60 centimetres is still quite long. That's a I'm not having a, I wouldn't want a bar of it. <laughs> Squiz the day, Claire, and it's the anniversary of the Sydney Opera House, but not the 50th, though, I must point out. <laughs> I know yeah, there's a great deal of consternation from you on this one, Siobhan. <laughs> Look, what it is is the anniversary of the opening of the Sydney Opera House by Queen Elizabeth. That was back in 1973. Uh, if you're any good at maths, you'll realise that it's the 49th birthday today uh, and what they have started doing is celebrating their 50th year. It's just cheating. You can't be 49 <laughs> and start demanding the big 50th birthday present. You've got to wait. You've got to wait till next year. I'm sorry. But it's technically correct. It is their 50th year and away they go. Yeah, I still think it's cheating and they're not getting a present from me. They can jolly well wait. <laughs> That's it from us today, but we'll be back tomorrow to see out your week. So chat to you then. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50. And that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress yeah. that's sort of an equivalent price, people equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, you don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.